Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal Part 17 of N, Regular Expressions. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials I wrote over at bartb.ie forward slash ttt. This originally aired as part of Nasillacast episode 468 hosted at podfee.com. I'm Bart Bouchatz and the other voice you're about to hear is Alison Sheridan, host of the Nasillacast podcast. Okay, so we are going back to Taming the Terminal and we are go- we're in foundation laying mode again. Because we're going mm. to get on to cool stuff, but we have... Now, what's cool about this foundation is that it's applicable outside the terminal. Okay. And so I, I'm going to save the screenshots to prove this to you until we've actually finished laying the foundation. But trust me, this, this, is, this is applicable beyond the terminal. This is knowledge that will stand to you even if you never open the terminal. Okay. So what we're getting into, what we're laying the foundation for is searching from the terminal. And when you're searching for something, you need to be able to describe patterns. I really want to know how to do this. Good, good. That's something I definitely have wanted to know. Good. And this, as I say, this is a skill that's going to carry us well beyond the terminal. So the way you describe patterns in computer science land is through something called regular expressions, which some people call regexps or regexes or ores. And they're a kind of a language. And so we're going to have to learn to speak regex. And once we know how to speak that language, we can describe lots of patterns. Uh, so you said regular expressions are patterns? They're languages for describing patterns. Okay. So like, you know, mathematics is a language for describing mathematics. A regular expression is a way of expressing the pattern you're looking for. Okay. Because you need to be able to tell whatever command you're using to search for something, the pattern that you wanted to go search for. And so there's a whole language for describing patterns. And that's a regular expression. Or a regular expression is a language for describing patterns. There are other ways, but that's a way. All right, I'm with you. So, if... right, I'm going to say something that is going to sound horribly computer science-y, because it is. (laughs) And then I'm going to say that we don't have to learn about that. But basically, in computer science terms, a regular expression is a language for describing something called a regular grammar. And the important point about regular grammars is that they don't cover everything. So there are things a regular expression can't do. They can do a lot, but they can't do everything. And if you don't know that, you can end up wasting hours of your life trying to do something that's impossible. So that's why there's a joke some programmers have that if you if you try to solve a problem with regular expressions, you end up with two problems, the problem you had and a regular expression. And that's because people don't understand what it can't do, and they try to make it do everything. And you can't do everything with a regular expression. And so I want to start by saying that this is not the answer to life, the universe, and everything, <laughs> right? This has its limits. And so in the world of possible grammars, a guy called Chomsky, who's quite famous, created a hierarchy of these grammars, and the hierarchy has four steps. And so the outside one contains the inner three, which contains two, which contains one. And the one that covers the least is regular grammars, which is what regular expressions do. So they don't do everything. Right, that's what I want to get at. So what do they do? If you can describe the pattern in English as a series of something follows something follows something, then you can almost certainly write a regular expression for it. And if you can't describe it as something follows something follows something, you can't. And the biggest you can'ts out there are, and I've seen people try to do this, you can't write a regular expression to try and match something where you have to have a memory of what's gone before or where you have, or order is arbitrary. And what that means in real terms is something like 
XML or HTML, the tags can come in any order. You can't write a regular expression to parse HTML or XML because the nesting is arbitrary, the order is arbitrary. It just can't be done, and I have seen so much awful code where people try to do the impossible. Can't be done. And you can't do things like, does this string have matched brackets? Can't be done. Because I don't, you, you can't know if a, if a closing bracket matches an opening bracket unless you have memory of what's gone before. Within you don't the have same mem- command? Yeah, so regular expressions just cannot describe that kind of pattern. I'm sorry, I have to make a smart-ass remark here, but Mm. (laughs) I don't have to. I'm choosing to. Is this why when I ask Siri, what time is sunset? And she says 7.30, and then the next thing I say is, remind me at sunset to do something. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite the reason, but (laughs) something like that. That's that kind of thing, right? Because she doesn't remember that she just told you when sunset was. Yes, and regular expressions basically cannot describe, they don't have the ability to describe a decision based on what's gone before. Even within the same command? Even within the same anything. It's just, it can't okay. be done by regular expression. It, it's, it's like if the only thing you know is plus and multiply, you can't do a square root. So Bad if, if I were to ask something, um, I, I want, I'm, looking, I'm doing a search for something mm-hmm. that starts with the letter T and was written after March 27th. It can't remember both of those in the same command? Okay, but that's that not different? a pattern, okay? So oh. that is actually an answerable question. But <laughs> only part of it's answered by a regular expression, right? The regular expression is the it starts with a T. A regular expression can encapsulate it starts with a T perfectly. It starts with a T is, in fact, a perfect example of something a regular expression solves in two characters. Okay. What a regular expression can't solve is, is this page valid HTML? Can't okay. do it. Okay. So something followed by something followed by something. So And it doesn't have to be simple somethings. It can be really complicated. Like, is this a valid URL? Well, a URL consists of a protocol specifier followed by a colon, followed by two forward slashes, followed by a domain name, followed by optionally a port number, then optionally a path starting with a slash, then optionally an anchor starting with a pound symbol, then finally optionally a query string. Okay, so it can be pretty complicated. It can be pretty complicated, but that's still something follows something follows something follows something. And in the case of the valid URL, what I've said there doesn't even cover all of it because what's a domain name? Well, a domain name consists of one or more segments separated by period symbols. Each segment can only contain letters, digits, and dashes and must start with a letter or a digit. Again, regular expressionable. So we can make really complicated regular expressions, but they can only solve something which is something followed by something followed by something followed by something. <laughs> Okay. So I've hammered that home now, I hope. I think so. I got it. Okay. Um, the other thing I will say is don't be intimidated by them. Until you know what the symbols mean, they look scary as anything. <laughs> oh, no. Right? No, seriously, they look horrifically scary. So in the show notes, I have stuck an example that I promise you will make perfect sense when we're done, but right now looks like the greatest pile of gibberish you have ever seen. Okay. So if you look in the show notes, right, at that regular expression, that maps to the English I gave above describing what a domain name consists of. That is actually a regular expression for validating valid domain names. So the people are listening, you're talking about where you said a domain name consists of one or more segments separated by a period symbol. Each segment can only take letters, digits, and dashes. It must start with the letter or digit. Exactly. Okay, so, so all of that English gets compressed into that piece of gibberish in the show notes. Open square oh, bracket. Geez. A minus right. Z, capital A, minus Z, zero, minus nine, close, but what? Right. Now, 
that will all make perfect sense to you because those symbols ha- can be plopped straight into English. Okay. But once you know what they mean. And until you know what they mean, it looks really scary. I'm and the other thing I would promise you... <laughs> okay, I'm, and I expect you to be because that is everyone's reaction the first time they see a regular expression. So that is normal, but I promise you we can get over it. Okay. The other thing I promise you is that the regular expression below that, open bracket, BB, close bracket, pipe, open square bracket, carrot, B, close square bracket, open curly bracket, two, close curly bracket, is a really funny joke. (laughs) When you get it, you know you understand regular expressions. Okay. I promise you that's funny. Okay. I'm sure it is. Whether you can get me to understand the joke, we'll see. Hmm? Yeah, we shall see. It's actually very appropriate. Um, There's a certain anniversary occurred recently that that matches to. Okay. But as I say, you'll find out next week. That's a, or the oh, next assault, but that's a little teaser. Oh, <laughs> I won't know by the end of today. You may be able to make an educated guess, but you won't know what all the bits mean. Okay. So regular expressions are actually a sort of a broad concept. Regular expressions is like saying programming languages. There's not one of them, right? There's lots of languages you can use to describe patterns that are all regular expression languages. So we have to decide on one to learn. Is this sort of like when we had to pick VI or... Kind of. Kind of. It's like, do you write in C or Java or Perl or Python? Perfectly valid choices. Okay. But there's pros and cons for everything. And so regular expressions come in lots of different flavors. And for some context, I'm going to tell you that when it comes to regular expressions, the gold standard is the Perl syntax. Because the Perl programming language was developed for the purpose of processing text, which means that pattern matching is right at the very core of why someone chose to write that language. So the official backronym for Perl is the Practical Extracting and Reporting Language. In other words, it takes textual information or textual data and extracts information from it. In other words, pattern matching. Okay. And there's also the joke backronym, which is also officially accepted, the Pathologically Eclectic Rubbish Lister. <laughs> which I like. So because Perl has pattern matching so deeply embedded into it, it's become the de facto standard for how you describe regular expressions. And so you'll often hear people talk about Perl-style regular expressions. And there's an acronym I want you to learn because you're going to see it in man pages. It's P-C-R-E, which stands for Perl Compatible Regular Expression. So it might not be in Perl, but it's Perl Compatible? And Perl-compatible regular expressions are all over the place. If you use a text editor like Smoltron, when you go do a find, there's a little checkbox that says, use regular expression, Perl-style regular expression. If you're programming in JavaScript, Perl-style regular expressions. If you're programming in PHP, Perl-style regular expressions. If you're using something like Name Mangler to bulk rename files, that has support for regular expressions, which are Perl-style regular expressions. They're all over the place. So PCRE... Perl-compatible regular expression, they're everywhere. And it would be great if we could learn PCRE, but this is a terminal series, so we actually need to learn something we can use in the terminal. So what we're going oh, to use... So we can't use PCRE in the terminal? Well, the good news is we sort of can, but not really. What we're actually <laughs> learning is POSIX E-R-E, which happens to be a subset of PCRE. So everything we learn is valid PCRE, but PCRE does more than we're going to learn. But that's good, right? Because it means that our knowledge is completely portable. Okay. So there's no dead ends here. What we learn here, we can take with us all over the place where PCRE exists. But just bear in mind that PCRE is even cooler than what we're going to learn about here. 
it has even more fancy features. Okay. Okay, fine. So I said we're going to learn POSIX ERE. Well, well, what's that? And hang on a second. What's POSIX, now that we mention it? I've heard the phrase POSIX compliant, but I did never know what it meant. Yeah, and it just occurs to me that I should have told you about POSIX ages ago. Because it's not actually an accident that what I, we mentioned in this series works on OS X, Linux, and other Unixes. Not an accident at all. The reason is because all of those operating systems are POSIX, which stands for Portable Operating System Interface. The POSIX standard defines a whole bunch of things, including stuff like, well, how do you describe a file system? Well, it should actually be a bunch of nested files, folders which can contain files and folders. All that kind of stuff is defined inside of POSIX. It defines a whole suite of standard commands, like CD, LS, all that stuff is in the POSIX standard, which is why it's the same across all those OSs. Hmm. POSIX defines a whole bunch of programming APIs, which is why you can write an app that will work in Linux, Unix, and Mac, because the POSIX APIs exist on all of those platforms. And the other thing that POSIX describes, which is really useful, is a regular expression language. Ah, which means that the regular expressions we learn are portable across Linux, Unix, Mac. So POSIX is a standard? It is a standard. Oh, okay. So it's a standard that defines a whole bunch of things an operating system has to do, including standard terminal commands, which is why what we're learning is so portable. Okay. Because it's actually POSIX we're learning. So I, I, I like that concept. One of the things I've always told people is don't get yourself hung up on learning a language, learn how to know a language, right? Mm. So in case whatever you fall in love with falls out of favor with the, the programming people in the world, you want to mm -hmm. learn how to learn? Yes. Oh, definitely. Totally agree. Um, yeah. And in fact, it's one of the things I love about where I learned the University of Computer Science in was that the first course we learned was principles of computer programming. We happened to learn through Java, but the whole way through the course, the emphasis was, this is the general concept. This is how you do it in Java. But this general concept is portable. Right, right. Which is how you should learn to program. Yeah. And so anything you know in one POSIX OS is, is portable to other POSIX OSs because that's the point of POSIX. It makes it possible to write a Unix app or a Linux app. And so it's actually really cool. And basically the world is broken into two types of operating systems for desktop computers. Windows operating systems and POSIX operating systems. <laughs> and so from now on, instead of writing Starnix, I'm going to just say POSIX. Okay. That'll be easier. And I really should have done this many, many installments ago now that I think about it. So POSIX defines regular expressions. Well, actually... POSIX defines two types of regular expressions because POSIX is really old. It's decades old. It dates back to the 80s. And in computer years, that makes it, like, ancient. <laughs> so it had a first go at it back in the 80s, and it created what we now call basic regular expressions, or B or E. And then we realized that actually, you know, things have come on since the 80s, so we need something newer, and so there's also POSIX extended regular expressions, or E or E. And that's our baby. That's what we're, that's what we're going to learn. POSIX Extended Regular Expressions, or E or E. And when you go to a man page, you're going to see B or E and E or E. In your brain, you're looking for E or E because that's what you know. Okay. And the reason I say this is because there are some terminal commands that are old, and they default to B or E, and you will find a little flag in there to tell them to be E or E. And so that's what you're looking for mentally when you're looking at man pages about patterns. How do I make this thing understand E or E? Because that's what I know. Okay. And also always remember that everything we learn 
is also PCRE because ERE is a subset of PCRE. Okay. I know, right? Three acronyms today, that's it. Right? So ignore BRE, look for ERE, but you want and know PCRE. That it's a subset. Yeah, so ERE is a subset of PCRE. So if we see PCRE, I'm going to remember ERE, that part. <laughs> go, I know, I'm sorry. I don't like when we end up at this, but I have to be explicit, otherwise, you don't know what I'm teaching you. Okay. And you can always to refer to your great show notes over at bartb.ie. <laughs> so let's get practical. Because really, if we're going to learn about regular expressions, the only way this is going to make any sense is if we can actually do something real. So to that end, I'm going to give you a really brief introduction to a command that does more cool stuff we'll come to later. But for today's purposes, the egrep command takes two arguments. A pattern and a file to go look for that pattern in. Yeah. So pattern and file path are the two arguments to egrep. It does more, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. And in specific, what grep, it does but is... never egrep. Ah. Okay. Well, actually, okay, since you've brought up grep, I was going to do this next week, but I might as well just say this now. The difference in grep and egrep is that grep does BRE and egrep does ERE. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm is so glad I asked, Bart. That really clarifies No, no, but basically, grep does the basic stuff. Egrep does extended. Egrep oh, is better. Okay. Of course, we haven't told anybody what either one of them does yet, so we better let you keep going. Yeah. So we're going to be using the egrep command to search a file, and the file we're going to use is the Unix words file, which on OS X is in user share dict words. It's just a file that contains one word per line of a somewhat exhaustive list of every word in the English language. I won't claim it to be fully exhaustive, but it's, it's a good list of English words. Okay. And egrep will print out any line that matches the pattern that we have specified. In other words, it will print out any word that matches the pattern we're playing with. Because it's one word per line. So let's get started with POSIX ERES. I don't have a directory at slash user? Slash user, share, slash? user share dict words. I have no... I did a CD to that and it did not like it. Okay, you can't CD into a file. Okay. So if you take off the words, you can't CD into it. Ah, oh, okay, I got you. I thought the whole thing was a directory. Got you. So no, no, it's a file. A single dict. file that contains one word per line. Okay, gotcha. I'm, you can I'm do C minus L, it contains a lot of words. <laughs> okay. So the first thing is, within a pattern, a letter simply represents itself. If you would like to look for the letter A, you type A. If you would like to look for the letter T, followed by the letter H, you'd write TH. Okay. So far, so spectacularly simple. Totally with you. <laughs> so let's use egrep to find every word in the English language with a double E. Ooh. So egrep, inside single quotation marks for reasons we'll come to later, EE, slash user, slash share, slash dict, slash words. And that will search for every word that contains an E followed by another E. In other words, every word with a double E in it. Do you have and to spell egrep correctly for that to work? Yes, apparently. You do. Because <laughs> egreb case, doesn't work at all. What I will say is that what we're doing today is common to BRE and ERE. So what we're doing today, you could grep instead of egrep, but I would strongly advise that everyone get the muscle memory to egrep. Okay. Because then you won't run into those situations where you, you grep and you accidentally type too fancy a regular expression and grep breaks over in a heap. <laughs> and what you actually wanted was egrep. So just always egrep. Look at this speeding, speedly, speedless speedometer. I found all the words in the English language that start with the EE or have EE in that the middle. Contain EE anywhere within them. So any yeah. line in that file that has two E's after each other has been returned by that command. 
So there's some cool okay, so words far, so in here. Spleenless. Spleet new. What the heck does spleet new mean? Spondy. Oh, I'm going to use this. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this would be great when you're uh, playing Scrabble. <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually even because ordering is something it's not very good at. Actually, it's more useful for um, crossword puzzles. Ah, sp- okay. They're making on words up. S-P-R-E-E-U-W. That's not a word. Uh, it must exist as a term of some <laughs> sort. I notice it has a lot of scientific terms in there. Oh, it is. No, it's not in the English language part. It's Dutch. Huh. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so the words file in OS ten. That might explain why the OS ten words file is about ten times the size of the one on Ubuntu. <laughs> Squawweed. Okay, sorry. But this anyway. is, but that I did discover something interesting there. You did. Squeezingly. Okay, I gotta stop looking at that. That's hilarious. Okay. Okay, so we can now look for patterns that consist of one letter followed by another letter. And you could do it for, you know, a whole bunch, as long as a string of letters as you want. Okay. But the next thing we're going to learn is that we can anchor our search to the start or the end of the line. Okay. So in other words, a starts with search or an ends with search. And the magic characters for that are the carrot or the little up arrow or whatever you want to call it. Okay. And that means start of line. And then the dollar sign means end of line. All right. So if we want to look for every word that begins with the character B, we would say egrep, open single quote, carrot sign, B, close single quote, and then the dictionary file. Got it. Or if we wanted to find every word ending in ing, of which we expect there to be a lot, it's egrep, open single quote, ing, dollar sign, close single quote, the path to the dictionary. Hmm. And then you will see there's a whole bunch of words that end in ing. And at this stage, I would hope that the reasons we're using single quotes have just become obvious. Because you need to be able to contain that within some sort of structure? What if I left off the single quotes in, this, in the last example we just did, the ING dollar example? Oh, does that define a variable or something? Well, yeah, the dollar sign has a meaning in bash, but we don't want bash to interpret the dollar sign. We want the dollar sign to go to egrep. So by putting it inside single quotes, we're making sure that what we're actually putting in a regular expression isn't being interpreted by by our our shell before it gets handed to egrep. So technically you could do it without it, but you're going to run into cases where it gets all nasty. Exactly. Because then you, if you wanted to do it without single quotes, you could backslash the dollar sign to escape it. But that would just get really ick. And that would not be very readable and that would tie you in knots. So I would say... Get into the habit of always using single quotes, even when you don't need to, because that way you won't accidentally end up in not using them when you should. Mm-hmm. So like, so there are two habits I'd like people to pick up. E-grep instead of grep, always use single quotes. Okay. And they will make your life easier. So something else that's important to be able to specify if we're looking for a pattern is a wildcard. So the special character that does that for us in regular expression speak is the full stop or the period character. So whenever you see a period in a regular expression, you should mentally read that as a one character. So any one character, basically. So imagine you're doing a crossword and you've gotten a bit stuck. And you know that you're looking for a word something E, something, something F, something. <laughs> right? Right. We can find a whole list of possible answers with the regular expression. So open, so egrep space, open single quote, Start of line, so the carrot or the, the um, little hat symbol, 
Mm-hmm. Dot, meaning one character. E, dot, dot, so something, something. F, dot, dollar sign. Closer. Oh. So you've said you've basically said it's a one, two, three, four, five letter word. It's got an E in the second spot and an F in the second to last spot, but I don't know what anything else is. Exactly. And oh then we wow. Push that into the dictionary and we're gonna see that it actually comes back with a few suggestions. Which oh. obviously if in a crossword we could then say, oh, well, that, that would actually be. make me enjoy crossword puzzles because I get stuck <laughs> on that. Oh, never mind. I mean, I know people who are good at it wouldn't like that, but still. Now, it's very important that we remember to put in the hat on the dollar because otherwise it would look for every word that contains something E, something, something F, something. And mm. if, you, if you leave those out and run it again, you'll find you get 900 answers oh. because lots of, lots of longer words contain something E, something, something F, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, holy cow. Wheel forward, weep folk. Exactly. Wear folk. Sorry. <laughs> it's really hard not to look at the words. They're funny. Wreckfish. I want a wreckfish. <laughs> okay, so one last concept I'm going to give you today, because I really don't want to overload you today, because otherwise this is going to become intimidating. So the last concept we're going to learn about today is something called character classes. And so a character class is a list of characters inside square brackets. And you should read them as a whole bunch of or statements. So open square brackets, A, B, C, D, E, F, in your brain should be an A or a B or a C or a D or an E or an F. Hmm. Okay. Where do the square brackets go with relation to the quotes at the beginning and ending and things? Well, it depends on where you want that to look for that character. Okay. As an example to try codify it, we would like to find every four-letter word that starts with a vowel. Okay. So, inside our single quotation marks, we have the start of line character, mm-hmm. followed by open square bracket, all the vowels, close square bracket, which will match a single vowel, Okay. followed by three dots, followed by the end of line character. So, every four-letter word, starting with a vowel. Yeah, this will make a lot more sense when you guys look at it on screen. Um, yeah, so it's, it's A or E or I or O or U in the first position, and then dot, dot, dot for the last three letters. Exactly. Okay. And that's how you should read it. So any four-letter word starting with E-A-I-O-U hmm. is what that would be in English. And so we've represented that as a nice simple pattern because regular expressions are cool. Now, the other cool thing you can do to save yourself some effort is a lot of times you're looking for character classes that are actually a range. And so there's the minus sign can be used to specify a range. So open square bracket 0 minus 9 is any digit. Open square bracket A minus Z is any lowercase letter. And then if you do the same in uppercase, it's any uppercase letter. Oh, so you can do a range. Yes. And the ranges don't actually have to go all the way from A to Z. So to make that point, we're going to end on a horrible-looking regular expression which will match any valid MAC address, <laughs> which is eight two-digit hex, car- hex numbers right. separated by colons. So a hex number is 0 to 9 or A to F. Right. And you can have more than one range in a single character class. So open square bracket, 0-9A-F, close square bracket. Oh, we'll oh you for- can touch them right next to each other. So You, you can don't touch need- them right next to each other. Exactly. So just like you say A-E-I-O-U, with them touching each other, you can say 0-9A-F with nothing in yes. between. Okay. So that big, long, I'm not going to go through the whole regular expression, but it's basically a hexadecimal character followed by another hexadecimal character followed by a colon followed by a hexadecimal character followed by another hexadecimal oh, wow. character followed by a colon. And we specify the whole big thing. Now, that regular expression works. That will find MAC addresses. 
but I would like you to say, to notice that there's an awful lot of repetition in there. Ah, so if there's a pattern to that, maybe there's a command that shortens it up? There most certainly is, and that's our teaser for next week. Ah, two weeks probably, but... (laughs) Oh, sorry, the next installment, yes. I keep saying next week, but I mean the next time. So when there's repetition like that, that's a pretty good sign in anything in computer science that actually we can do better. And I've counted those using the WC minus C command, because I'm lazy. And that's 136 characters, that MAC address regular expression. And next week we'll be able to do it in 29 which is a pretty good percentage improvement. Right, right, right. And less prone to error. Way less prone to error because what we're saying is more concise. Because when I said that in English, I said eight two-character lowercase hexadecimal numbers separated by colons. I can say it in English really short, which tells me there's probably a much shorter regular expression for it. You know, this was way more fun than I thought. Whenever you say it's foundation, I'm back to my, you know, posting on the pony in the barn instead of getting to go out and gallop. But I got to play in the terminal and uh, and learn some stuff. This is, I really, really wanted to know how to do this. Good, good. And next time we're going to learn the more advanced features. And really, uh, a lot of it is going to hang around this idea of grouping stuff together. Because everything we're doing now is one character at a time. But maybe your statements cover more than, you know, repeat these 10 characters or whatever. So we're going to look at grouping stuff next time and this idea of cardinality, where Mm. something can occur not just once, but between one and four times, or at least five times, those kind of things. And there are symbols for representing that kind of cardinality, and that's going to be really important next time, and that's going to let us create way cooler regular expressions. Wow. And someday we'll understand the joke. Next week? Or then, sorry, next installment. <laughs> All right, this has been really cool. Now you had a uh, you had a very quick uh, palate cleanser that I think you've left us enough time to to hear. Good. I was hoping we'd managed it. Yes. So I figured we've done some head, you know, well, challenging stuff. So just the last thing, just to finish with, um, this was sort of inspired by a comment I had on Flickr where someone commented on a photo I had taken and said, "Oh, that's lovely," and it must have been so hard to shoot out of the shadow. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not hard to shoot out of a shadow. In actual fact, it's a really good way to really easily get a nice composition. Hmm. So there's no single rule for how to make a good photo, but there's lots of guidelines to help you. And so the guideline I'd like to suggest to add to your arsenal today is find a shadow and get into it. You mean if you shoot point the camera the into shadow, it? The whole, well, you know, find a big shadow and stand in it and then I'll, take your picture. I'll put you into it, not taking a picture of what's in shadow. No. So you get into the shadow and then shoot out. Okay. And you'll be able to use the shadow as your foreground, hmm. which will add foreground interest and a nice sense of depth to your shot with very little effort. So find the shadow and step into it. And so to sort of prove the point, I just put a few links to some random pictures I've taken over the years from my Flickr stream. So the first one there is the one that I got the comment on that sort of triggered me to do this up as a little segment. And so by having the foreground and shade, you get a much better sense of depth and the eye is drawn very nicely out into the scene towards the pretty house. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would have never thought to do that, but it's really effective. I've, I've clicked through these now, and they're, they're much more interesting than if it weren't in shadow. And I do a lot of stuff along that canal, so you'll see a fair few examples along the canal. And the first thing I will do is I will find the tree that's casting a shadow, step into the shadow, and shoot out. And then you get the little dappled foreground, which always immediately just makes your picture more interesting. Yeah. So find the shadow and step into it. Huh. Never would have thought of it. I love it. I love it. I will use that for sure. There you go. And I figured if I I do it as a one sentence, people will remember. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, so tell people about your other two shows. We haven't uh, plugged that in a little while, and uh, they're coming along really, really well. 
Oh, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so once a month I do a photography show, which very, very often these days has the guys from Switch to Manual on it, which you would have you would have met Antonio on this show when I was hosting. And Antonio is a regular with me now on a show called Let's Talk Photography. And so it's once a month, middle of the month-ish. And it's all about the art and craft of photography. And we don't we don't do the whole ooh, Canon or Nikon or any of that kind of stuff. It's about the art of the thing, not about the tech of the thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I I really like it because it's you don't let people argue about uh, uh, aperture versus Lightroom or Nikon versus Canon. It's all about techniques and the way to look at things. And you guys never say you have to do it this way. It's always the guidelines. Yeah, which yeah, which is how photography works, really. <laughs> um, and then the other show is at the end of every month or very early in the month after. Uh, it's called Let's Talk Apple, and the idea is that we look at a whole month's worth of Apple news from a big picture point of view. So we don't. We don't get stuck in on the minutia of what's been going on week to week. We sort of step back 12 times a year and have a look around at the big picture. So I would say, listen to Ken's show every day for the what's happening every day, because Ken Ray does that better than anyone else on this planet. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the month, have a listen to my show, and we do the exact opposite, where we look at the big picture instead of the minutia. Very, very good. Yeah, and you just had a Let's Talk Photography uh, just got posted. It did. We did one middle of this week. So Oops. that is fresh in the feed. Saving it for the, this afternoon's walk. Always good. I really, really like that show. It's really fun. Oh, thank you. They're great fun to do, actually. Um, I have to say, I like it better when I'm not on it because then I get to listen to it. <laughs> but yeah, that is. Uh, yeah. Well, we like it when you're on because you're a very good contributor. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Bart. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, it looks like. Indeed. So whenever that is, until then, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net. <laughs>